we see people who don't come from the traditional professional background being huge influences in a space because they have worked out the new status quo. This is the Brilliance Leadership Learning Podcast, sharing thought-provoking content and discussions to enhance your leadership development journey. Be sure to subscribe to get notified of new episodes. Here are your hosts from the digital learning team at Crotonville, GE's Global Learning Institute. Hi, everyone, and thanks once again for joining us on the Brilliance Leadership Learning Podcast. In today's episode, I have Melanie Fawcett, a creative director and storyteller focused on the power of business to create positive change. She has a background in education and marketing and works with purpose-driven business, entrepreneurs, organizations, and government to create humanity-driven storytelling and educational content across digital platforms and beyond. I will mention that at the time we spoke with Melanie, she was using the brand name Producer on Purpose, but she has since rebranded to just Melanie Fawcett. So throughout this episode, you will hear us refer to Producer on Purpose, but note that you can find her in the future on Facebook under the name Melanie Fawcett. So I am really excited to have you here, Melanie. Thank you so much for having me. Um, Is there anything else you would add to your background before we really get into this? Uh, Sure. Um, So my background was in uh, communications originally and marketing, and then I went into education and was a secondary educator. Uh, And then film and TV and media has been a real guiding passion of mine that's kind of led a lot of my work. Uh, in my business now, I'm really passionate about uh, conscious-based business as well. So one of the things that we do is we contribute um, a monthly donation uh, to Pencils of Promise, which is a, a not-for-profit uh, that's focused on education as well. Uh, so that's been a really exciting uh, development to go into as well. And I, I think we might talk a little bit about conscious-based business, um, but it's one of the passions in the work that I do that... I think you can have a conscious business, not just in the work and the content that you put out to the world, but also literally baked into your business model, which is what I am seeking to do. Definitely. And I've never heard the term conscious business before. So uh, conscious based business. So it's um, it, we will talk about that a little more, but very interesting. So um, first, let's talk about the re-education of what media is today. So what does it mean to be a mobile thought leader and a little bit about how businesses can influence and make a difference with their content? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's such an interesting place to start because I think no matter what your purpose is in terms of creating content for the world, uh, whether you're in your own business, you're an entrepreneur, whether you're in an organization or even in a corporate business, government as well. Um, You know, social media and media has evolved so much that the way that we are engaging with content and what we as consumers want, as well as producers, has changed, you know, dramatically. Uh, And if you think before the internet, you know, for people listening that remember that time, uh, (laughs) which feels like so long ago before the internet, you know, to to now, um, we are a very media savvy audience. Um, And one of the things that uh, I think is really important is that we now have such a choice of channels, of media channels, what we tune into. We are the channels ourselves. We create those channels. And then we also have infinite choices of channels. 
um, that we want to choose. So that has changed the game from, say, pre-internet time where our channels were limited. You know, we only had traditional media platforms um, and we may have got our information from a, a limited range of sources. And now we see ourselves in a, in a world of just literally infinite choices of who we tune into um, and who we listen to. And it's interesting if you think about the way that social media platforms have evolved in recent times with things like Facebook Live Video, Instagram Stories, Snapchat, etc., It's like the platforms are evolving, but also we are as an audience. And I think both those things are influencing each other. We're seeing that influence back and forth where those platforms are changing the way we interact and engage with each other. But then also we um, are influencing those platforms in how they change as well, uh, if that makes sense. That it's kind of an interesting dynamic that we see happening now with this evolution of social media platforms, which is changing the way that we create and share content. And that's, I'm not sure if, it, if we had talked about this before, how Facebook is going to be turning into primarily video um, at some point. And I would say that that's probably something that's been driven by the users. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, uh, in 2014, Mark Zuckerberg was quoted as saying in five years, most of Facebook will be video. So that was 2014. We're in 2017. We're really seeing that happening now. Um, You know, we don't have to look to the future. It's happening now where we are consuming exponential amounts of video and video in a different way. You know, another interesting uh, statistic there is that live videos are watched for longer and engaged with more than videos which are not live. Hmm. So it's interesting where we talk about that us influencing the platforms and the platforms influencing our storytelling. We're having this conversation back and forth all the time in the way that we are literally evolving um, in our communications. Um, And so live videos, to me, that is a really interesting stat because it shows where the audience is at, we, where we as an audience are at in terms of what we want um, from our content creators, from our thought leaders, from our businesses, um, from, you know, the information that we're receiving. We want it in a different way. We don't necessarily want the same crafted, constructed um, kind of conversations that were happening, you know, say 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, we want something that's more real more honest, more raw, more accessible? Why is it that people are tuning into a live video more than a video that has been pre-recorded? It's fascinating. It says something about us and what we want. And then as producers of content, we're responding to that. You know, we're creating content that then is um, hitting to the heart of what our audiences are really craving, which is essentially a real connection with us a real connection. Um, and that might be, you know, videos that are super real and raw where we're not, you know, perfectly crafted, you know, 1990s breakfast presenters anymore. <laughs> we're living this kind of documentary lifestyle right, as well. Right. That's yeah. where we come into this idea of being a mobile thought leader. So you can thought lead from the beach. <laughs> you can be anywhere, anytime, 24-7, and you can connect with your tribe uh, and you can share ideas with them. So that is a huge shift um, that the platforms are now allowing us to do. And it's also, I think, again, as we said, what our audience is wanting from us. 
Right, right. And so so knowing this then, that it's changed, there's been all these shifts, there's all these different ways that you can do it, um, and that the audience in a lot of ways drives what we do. As a producer, what is the importance of knowing your audience and choosing the right channel? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's it's an interesting um it's an interesting place that we find ourselves as producers of, of of content because we are trying to find a balance between speaking to our audience and knowing who they are and understanding truly who they are, but also at the same time looking to be authentic to ourselves. Because um, one of the things that's happened with these platforms becoming more real is that we as human beings do see, um, we, we connect with people that are more real in their storytelling as well. So it's like we've had to step it up as producers in terms of being authentic to our own stories um, and conveying ourselves really honestly and using our own language. Um, we need to do that at the same time as understand our audience and think about who they are. And we can know them so much more intimately because of engagement. You know, we're not just looking for likes anymore. It's not uh, a one-way or even two-way conversation. We're literally having these tribal conversations. So there's such a rich landscape of information available to us, particularly as brand storytellers, to really understand who we're talking to, what makes them tick, what do they think about, what do they care about. And the platforms also are asking us to understand our audience in a really deep way and understand what content they engage with and who they're following. For example, on Facebook, you know, to place an ad, you have to understand the viewing habits of the people that you're trying to reach. Right. Uh, so that has, we're really having to understand people on a deeper level, I think, and, uh, and also try and be authentic ourselves. So this is almost like in the past, maybe people would have patronized a certain establishment just because it was really good at, at what it offered. But these days, you know, there's a little bit more of a shift. People talk a lot about, especially with millennial generation and younger generations, that they don't want to just go to someplace that's good. They want to go to someplace kind of like we were talking about, um, that's a conscious based business somewhere where they know that the person is really passionate and involved with, with what they're doing, not just good at running the business, but having that more of a deeper connection with it. And so I, it's the same thing then, um, in this, it sounds like. Absolutely. Because I argue that we are past saturation point when it comes to media. You know, we are so inundated with media that we're past the saturation point. I think we're at the point of choice. And why do we make choices? It's because of the story. Right. It's because of the values. It's because of what we believe. You know, if we've got, you know, so many choices for products and services, why are we going to choose one particular business over another? It's because we can connect with their story. That's where story is central to absolutely everything, but not story in the same way as we've experienced very constructed advertising in the past. You know, even big business is having to change the way that engages with people um, in order to really reach them uh, because we're wanting more. We're wanting that authentic conversation and we're absolutely uh, engaged buy people's stories on social media and we will make our choices with who we trust and who we follow and who we believe in um, based on whether or not our values match up. Uh, and that's 
kind of the tribe building that we see in the business world now as well, where the tribes are based on a shared value system uh, and the ideas of community, connection, and communication. And ironically enough, this is all taking place in the digital area, right? I mean, you... You're talking about um, people finding their voice, and I know there's. We've talked about humanity in the digital age, basically bringing that humanity to the digital context. So, how can you find those stories and some of the ordinary things around you, or find your voice to where if this is something you need to do regularly? I know a lot of people might struggle with the fact that everything that you might want to convey isn't necessarily a groundbreaking thing. So, how do you do this storytelling and? connecting that humanity to the digital context that we're living in? Yeah, that's such an interesting question because, you know, in some ways the old way of thinking about content was like we had to have something huge to say. We had to have a certain background. We had to be dressed a certain way. There were rules. There were rules that we followed in the world of creating and sharing messages uh, through traditional media platforms. I would argue that a lot of those rules are getting rewritten now. And that's why it's a very uncomfortable time uh, for producers of content because it's uncomfortable for us because we're being asked to deliver ourselves and our messages in a way that we haven't before. Do we need to have something groundbreaking to share? Absolutely not. We are fascinated with human beings as they are. You know, where are they right now? Maybe you do have something important to say, and that's fantastic. Maybe you just want to share something with us of where you are. You know, this is the idea of documenting, not creating. And there are a mm. big social media influencers out there. For example, Gary Vaynerchuk, um, if your listeners are familiar with him, uh, you know, he's a huge influencer um, in this idea of documenting, not creating. You know, he produces a, a huge amount of content each day particularly for an entrepreneurial audience. Um, and he owns a social media business in the States as well as a lot of other businesses. But he, you know, really talks about this idea of documenting. And that's essentially what we are. We're documentary makers. And therefore, the old rules of what we had to say and when we had to say it and how we had to say it are being rewritten. And who can say it too, right? Because like you said exactly. before, you don't have to be dressed a certain way or a certain yes. type of person. Anybody can do this. Absolutely. And this is, this is a very uncomfortable thing because the notion of what an expert is is being questioned as mm -hmm. well in this new world because we see people who don't come from the traditional professional background being huge influences in a space because they have worked out the new status quo. Uh, you know, someone like, Gary Vaynerchuk did not go to university and do lots of degrees in communications and marketing. Mm -hmm. You know, he rose up, became a social media influencer through understanding YouTube. He was a very early YouTuber um, and had a business called Wine Library. And uh, sorry, it was a show called Wine Library uh, that was very early in the world of, of sharing content on YouTube. And through that has developed a huge social media um, business empire. And so the traditional rules don't apply. It's why it's difficult for us as professionals um, and people wanting to go out there and talk about things to know what those rules are now. What are the rules? Hang on a second. I want to talk about health, but I'm not a health professional. Am I allowed to talk about health? Well, the new rules would say, yes, you are. If you want to talk about it and there's a tribe that want to listen to you, 
then you can. That's what the platforms allow us to do, which is really uncomfortable. It's really uncomfortable for people because all of our professional backgrounds are then in question. Uh, you know, okay, so what, what are the new rules now then? So it, it is a challenging place for us to be. Yeah. And I guess to that point then, how does innovation and entrepreneurship, which I know is part of your background as well, how does that play a role into all of this? Well, absolutely, because I think that people, uh, and, and this is of many different generations. In my business, I speak with entrepreneurs that are in their 40s and 50s, as well as younger people in their 20s. And even I work with uh, students that are still in high school um, that are thinking about entrepreneurship as a pathway um, away from traditional uh, work pathways that they would have considered before. And again, also the traditional rules of you must go and get this particular degree to go and do this particular thing. Um, entrepreneurship says why. Uh, if you've got all of these platforms available to you and you can create really interesting, engaging content and you can build trust with your tribe, then you can create a brand and a business from that. And really the trust comes from uh, the way in which you engage yourself, what your values are, uh, and all those other things that aren't necessarily what your qualifications are, but are more about you as a person uh, and people aligning themselves with what you believe in and then building tribes and communities from there. Definitely. And so then how? what are some tools that folks can use if they are looking to learn how to be more effective storytellers on social media, um, you know, better producers of content in general? Yeah, absolutely. So th there are so many free tools available to us. This is, you know, the age that we live in of free tools. And so even using just the tools that you have available in your major social media platforms like Facebook and Instagram can allow you to build a really fantastic brand uh, that is deeply engaging and really connects with people. Um, I would say that the tools themselves and the tech is only a small part of it. And this is probably one of the biggest things that we can get caught up in is the tech side of things and how we should make things happen. Really, the most important part of creating a brand or a story that's going to connect and resonate with people is to think about what we're going to say. Focus on that. Focus on our story and our message rather than focusing on the tech side of things and the platforms. It's very easy for us to create a Facebook Live video. Uh, you know, in terms of tech, it's a pretty simple process and that's available to all of us. So you can use that as a tool but not get caught up in the tech side of it and not let that be a barrier to you to communicate um, or to create an audience for the information that you want to get out there, the messages that you want to get out there. The brands that I talk to all the time are really, really purpose-driven and they have a reason why uh, they started their business in the first place. A lot of entrepreneurs, particularly as you, you mentioned with Gen Y, are going into their entrepreneurial um, businesses because they have a passion for a particular industry uh, and they have a real message to say. So I would say that never let the tech get in the way of sharing that message and focus on the clarity um, and being really short and succinct is really important as well because we do have a very short attention span, I think, as as viewers and consumers of content. Right. And it's a great point 
to focus on, I think, your strengths because I run into that that barrier with technology a lot myself where, you know, you're always seeing people posting a new graphic or a new uh, fancy video, a very produced video, or any number of things where you can feel like, oh my gosh, what what apps should I use for that? And then when you look at the apps, there's 50 million apps. And then you say, okay, well, maybe I'll do this new thing. And it, it's there may be things that you can already do where you just need to focus on the, the, the messaging and leverage your strength in that area to grow the audience and really drive your message home versus worrying about you know, all of the different possibilities because, um, it, it, you know, you'll just kind of get stuck. And not to say that you shouldn't always be trying to learn because I'm a, a big supporter of that too. You know, there's a lot of different skills we got to learn and we're going to need to learn in the future. Um, but it's not worth killing yourself over basically. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not worth, and, it, and the biggest thing is we can't let it stop us doing the work that we want to do to make that impact. Mm -hmm. You know, if we allow technology to get in the way and say, oh, well, I would love to create this, you know, uh, YouTube series, but I just don't have the right lighting, the right this, the right that, the right camera, the right setup. And so I'm not, I'm not going to start, not starting, like waiting to start to have everything perfect. I think that is a remnant of the old way of thinking. The new way of thinking says, start now, get on your phone, jump on a Facebook live, talk to your audience and start building trust. They will be more interested in what you have to say and how you have to say it rather than what your background looks like or what your, um, you know, your tech is or how well edited your content is. Really, anyone that's having a huge influence out there with their content, they had to start somewhere, you know, and they didn't start at the most highly produced um, final product that you right. share. I mean, a lot of people start with literally sitting on their couch and shooting a video and talking to people about what they believe. So I think I remember when I was researching different podcasts that there was actually somebody was comparing, you know, wildly popular series like Serial um, with this this guy who decided to record himself um, on his way to work in the car every morning with something. I, I can't remember how he what the premise of his series was, but he didn't have he wasn't in a studio. He wasn't doing anything fancy. Um, the quality wasn't that good, but people became so engaged with what he was doing that it became one of these really popular podcast series. And so I think that's just a great example of what you're talking about. Absolutely. We love the behind the scenes showreel. Yeah. You know, it's just like we've been watching on, on DVDs and movies for years that we love seeing that behind the scenes. And in a sense, because we are the creators of content, we are the channels. Uh, we get a chance. Uh, to show people that little piece of behind the scenes. And what I would say if people are feeling um, a bit shy or uh, they're not sure where to start is that people are fascinated with what you think is everyday life to you. That's what documentary making is. That's where that documentary making element has come into the construction of storytelling now on video and, and beyond is that we just love seeing where you live. What do you wear? What's the weather like there? What's happening? There's a real fascination, especially because we are a global audience. The things that you think are not fascinating, I can guarantee will be fascinating to your audience. Right. So it's really not underestimating that in a global uh, world 
in terms of content that we have the power to really engage people through just being ourselves. And that's that's the idea of, of seeing ourselves as, as a documentary maker and a storyteller first uh, rather than a technical person, which I would say would be secondary. Sorry to all the tech people who might be listening. <laughs> true I, I'm sure they will agree as well that, that you can't let the tech get in the way of the storytelling sure no point taken and you're also now um you you founded an online community of entrepreneurial women specifically um called the pop cheer squad and so talking about different things that people can do maybe to get more comfortable with these things talk to us a little bit about that group and and what you do yeah, so this group came from a workshop that I did with a group of businesswomen here in, in Australia and in Queensland, and we were going to talk about video as brand storytellers. And what became so absolutely kind of hit me in the face, I could not escape it in that workshop as the facilitator, was that there were these huge barriers uh, for women, but for for brand storytellers to actually step up and start sharing on video that because of all of our conditioning uh, in the previous old school rules that we talked about, there are a lot of reasons why we don't feel good enough to actually step up, get on a video and start sharing. There are a lot of personal blocks for people. And I saw this room full of just phenomenal businesswomen that were experiencing a lot of blocks, perhaps because of tech, perhaps because of confidence, you know, all the stories that we tell ourselves that um, for me, I used to feel that I was a behind the camera person. So I'd done work as a producer and a writer. And yet I always saw myself as someone that couldn't be in front of the camera. But it's just not true. We're not branded at birth <laughs> that we can't be in front of the camera. And especially in a world where the rules are being rewritten, people want real people. Um, they're not necessarily looking for a perfect you know, traditional TV look. They're looking for real people to tell real stories. So in the group, we call it the cheer squad because it's about creating a place as a, a Facebook group community that we can experiment, that we can experiment with our ideas and make videos and say, hey, how does this idea resonate with you? Or what do you think about this? Is this going to move people? Because essentially brand storytellers see themselves even beyond that as people that are trying to create create movements of social change and they're using video to do that. So I'm interested to know then, what is your approach to telling your story, promoting your brand? Uh, obviously, I'm sure that you use a lot of the concepts we've talked about, but it, take us through your process, maybe an example of what you do when you start thinking about something that you want to share. Absolutely. So a lot of the work that I do is as a writer as well. And I think that when it comes to storytelling, it doesn't matter what format that takes, whether it's podcast, writing, video, any particular platform that we are on and we're using, essentially trying to communicate a good story is the same. And, and it's in a very, it's a very ancient, uh, communication tool that we've always used. So in a way, Another reason not to get caught up in the way that platforms are changing because what we're doing is essentially we're trying to create a beginning, a middle, and an end for our audience. And so we can do that on video. We can do that in a piece of writing, in a blog piece. What we're trying to do is start with the human element of the story. You know, where is 
if, if you think about it, yes, you want to talk about an intellectual topic. And the way that I've created content has really changed for me. This is why I understand the issues that our generation is having is because I think previously my work was so much more about my own professional knowledge and skills. Mm -hmm. And really what these platforms are driving us to do is inject more of ourselves in them. So my writing has changed very much in the last five years where I do try and inject more of my own personal story into the ideas that I'm trying to share with my audience as well. It's like finding a balance. How can you find that balance? Where are you in the story? Ask yourself, you know, you're contemplating this idea. You want to share this idea with the world, but where's the story part to lead them in? You know, is it, can you share with us where you were thinking about it uh, or when it came to you or perhaps an experience that you had that illuminated this particular topic for you? All of that is the story. So it's like we want to share an idea and it's an intellectual concept, but we need to wrap it up in the humanity of the story. And that's where, you know, a really great story will have that beginning, that middle and that end, that satisfaction that an audience feels. And then the added element to that is, is that wherever we're sharing that, we're going to start having a conversation because all of our platforms are interactive. So we want to leave the ending so that our audience can find themselves in the story and then see where they connect with it. I mean, that's the most important thing that we're trying to do is our audiences are interested in our stories, but why are they interested? It's because they want to find themselves in it. Yeah. That's that's the connection part. That's where we really resonate with people is when we see ourselves in their stories. So we need to connect with our own humanity of our own storytelling as professionals. And that's a really challenging thing because often we're absorbed in data and statistics and all of these things which are really important in terms of conveying ideas. But to really move people and really connect with them, we need to find the story as well. And this is something that um, I, I know you're really good at, obviously. <laughs> um, <laughs> but just if others haven't seen before, um, your Instagram page is one of the things that I think initially caught my eye and, and led me to you was because it's so simple. There are such simple graphics and text with them to kind of inspire a thought. Um, again, just another great example of that, I think. And along with that, I, I kind of just want to ask for you, what's next for you? I think you've mentioned that maybe there's a book on purpose-driven storytelling coming. Yes. Yes. I've been working on a book. I really wanted to talk about these ideas and these trends that are happening in storytelling and how storytelling is evolving uh, and also how storytelling and the way that we communicate is essentially a conscious-based business practice because we're thinking about conveying ideas that really matter in order to have an impact on the world. I think, again, an old-school way of thinking would be to say that the only way that business can impact is through their profits, is through how much money they can donate to causes or um, their resources that they have. But in a world of tribe building and storytelling, the way we communicate is a resource. You know, uh, Seth Godin talks a lot about the connection economy, and that's really about thinking of connecting as a currency. You know, so we have the ability to tell our stories as a currency, something that is valuable 
Uh, so for me, in terms of, of my business, I'm really interested in how to help other businesses be able to be more conscious in their storytelling and really realize that there's so much power in these platforms that we have available to us. The fact that we can use our mobile phone as a microphone to the world is a really powerful place to be in uh, and really thinking about what we want to do with that power. Right. What kind of change do we want to make? You know, where do we want to influence? If we're going to influence, where do we want to influence and for what purpose and what value can we truly offer to others? So I really want to talk about that in a book um, this year and I've been, you know, working on that. Interesting. Is, is there anything else that you would share, anything we haven't covered that you think would be really helpful for people to hear about about this? Yeah, uh, something I think is really important to think about is in terms of why we do what we do when we're creating content, there's a lot of content if you go on Facebook or different social media platforms. And I think one of the mistakes that people make is they think that they're creating content for themselves and it's all about them. And I would call that me TV. So mm -hmm. that's where our purpose for being out there is to share ourselves, sell our products and our services. And really, that is a very limited and not very engaging way to think of the power that we have to create content that really connects with people. I prefer to think of it as we TV. So that's really thinking about the fact that you are a connector and a collaborator of content. And that's really what we see in this idea of the shared economy, the connection economy, where we're you know, creating tribes and having these community conversations online is thinking about the we TV. How can you make your content a conversation? It's not just about you and what you have to say, but it's also about creating a conversation that's inviting your audience to be part of it um, and to have that back and forth that happens rather than you just seeing yourself um, as the expert uh, that has all of the answers. We need to make shifts in our own minds about being the connector of knowledge. Uh, and that's really what we're seeing moving forward in terms of, of trends of brand storytelling. And that's another thing, too, that as individuals think about how they can make an impact to not let their lack of expertise or anything like that stop them from doing that to our point earlier, because you don't have to be the expert if, if your purpose is around this particular thing, your passion is around this particular thing. Um, connecting other people or, you know, even just because you are also involving other people doesn't mean there isn't a self, a, a self interest there. It's just how you're, how you're making that happen and how you're contributing to the greater good and taking it forward. Absolutely. And that even if you are a graduate from university and you think, oh, well, I can't have an opinion about anything because I've only just started doing what I'm doing. Actually, be you. In the new, the new school of rules says just be you. It's not only experts that have a platform to share their ideas. Anyone has the ability to do that now. And so just be you. If you're a graduate, great. Talk to other people that understand how you feel about something. That's where we have the ability to create tribes. So absolutely, it's about empowering us all to just own our own story and start from there. And there will always be a community that are going to be interested in what you have to say if you put the love into the work that you do. And you do, you do have to continually show up. So you can't uh, just 
you know, decide one day that you want to say something and then you, you never come back. I think if you're looking at building a tribe or building a brand or uh, sharing your ideas with the world, it's about being consistent and showing up even when no one's listening or you feel like nobody's listening. That's okay. Just keep going and you will build an audience. It will happen over time. People will gravitate to your ideas. Um, particularly if you show, Hey, I'm someone that just keeps showing up over here. There's a lot to be said in being consistent. Um, because of the world that we live in and we're getting inundated with so many different channels all of the time, the people that are consistent over a long period of time are the people that really, you know, build trust and build communities that are enduring. Yeah, great points there. Absolutely. I think one other thing I would say too is that there are there are vanity stats in terms of getting likes or your amount of followers or, you know, we've been obsessed about the numbers. Again, I would say that's focusing on the wrong thing because the numbers are actually people and those people aren't necessarily engaged. So the idea is we're really thinking about engagement. The people that are having uh, real influence and real impact out there are focused on engagement with their content. Are people talking to you? What are they saying? Are you creating a conversation? It's better to have 50 people who are really engaged with what you have to say than 500 people or a thousand people that don't care. So to really, you know, in some ways we've got to leave our ego at the door and we have to really focus on people and having those conversations and think of the internet as real life in the sense that these are real people having real conversations with you and you need to care about them back again. And it's not just about accumulating them like they are like a commodity of light. (laughs) It's about really thinking about the fact these are human beings and they're interested in your ideas and they want to talk to you. So talk back to them. And that's the biggest way that you can, you know, the people, uh, someone like Gary Vaynerchuk has got a huge, huge social media followings and yet spends so much time talking to all those people and answering their comments and commenting on their comments and spending a lot of time in the actual engagement side of the content. So again, that's what really what we TV is about, is about the ongoing conversation that's happening. I love that because there are wildly successful people um, usually celebrities who have a lot of followers and a lot of likes on every post that they do. But to your point, that doesn't necessarily mean that what they're putting out is quality, meaningful content for everybody. I mean, obviously, it has some meaning for, for, for the people following them, but it's it's not the same. The contexts are different. And what is achieved in the end is different. Absolutely. And I think we're seeing the business world particularly start to take notice of that and realize that maybe when social media first started happening, it was all about the numbers. You have to have lots and lots of numbers. Whereas now what we see is the rise of what they call the micro influencer, which are people that have a lot less likes, but a lot more engagement. And those people, because they are investing every single day in caring about people and sharing real stories, people are massively committed to them. And so when that person shares a piece of content, their super engaged tribe really, really care and they listen um, and they are engaged in what that person has to say. And that I think is what we should be aiming for more so than worrying about how many millions of followers you have. As we said, you know, millions of followers don't mean anything if they don't really care about what you have to say. So yeah, I think that's a real 
really important thing, especially for people that are starting out in their brand storytelling or whatever kind of content that they're wanting to share is really focus on people. And if there's someone that just loves what you have to say, love them back show them love. It's all about thinking about being a community. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Reciprocating it. Absolutely. Yeah, showing the person that you're you're engaged with them as well. I think that goes a long way. And that's something that particularly for organizations, I think is difficult because I think historically, there's and maybe rightfully so, um, it, it, you had to be a little more careful about things, even on the employee level, it was it was difficult to feel like you could maybe have a safe place to share certain things uh, when it's related to your job, your place of employment. But I think now for leadership, for organizational strategy, it's more important than ever for them to make a safe place for employees to feel like they can engage because even if it's not something positive, it's something that they're going to be talking about anyway. And as organizations, you want to feel, and as leaders, you want to feel uh, you want them to feel like you are addressing the issue, like you're hearing them, like you are engaging with them. Yeah. So that's um, completely agree. I think that's more powerful and um, will become something that over time, hopefully becomes more natural process of our working rhythms. Absolutely. It's about creating spaces and having and and having leaders that actually help to facilitate a set of values that allow people to feel safe and allow them to experiment and to grow. It might be closed digital communities that allow people to experiment where you say, hey, the rules here are that you can be learning and it's okay. You don't have to have this perfectly. Why don't you experiment in this place before you go out and put it out to the public in public spaces? There's a lot of wisdom in creating safe places where people feel like they can grow uh, in order to do the work that they want to do, whether that's within a, a corporation or organization or within our businesses. We're looking for safe spaces. And sometimes as leaders, that's actually all we're doing is we're creating a space for others. It's actually not about us. And that's where MeTV doesn't work. Right. And that's because just, that's what I was just going to say in, in the yeah. opposite direction that, you know, that that requires opening yourself up, making yourself vulnerable to potentially criticism in an organization. If you're the leader, that that might be what it means. But you have to take out that ego part, not make it about you, make it more about the community. Absolutely. You know, as an educator, the idea is is student centered learning, which is all about uh, the learner themselves or learner centered um, approach where it's all about them. They are at the center of the work. It's not about a hierarchy where the leader is the person that has all the answers and is the expert. It comes to back to where you see yourself as a leader. And if you see, if you look at social media as an example and all of the influencers that are creating amazing content out there with huge engagement, they don't necessarily see themselves as an expert on everything. They don't. They're, they're a person. Um, that has a particular set of values and ideas that have resonated with a lot of people uh, and they continue to show up and they continue to care and that is actually what communities are based on and that's what really great leaders do um, is they create a space for others to be leaders. Yeah, yep. Well, this is great, Melanie. Um, thank you again for taking the time to talk through all of these these things with us, it can be somewhat complex for, for a lot of folks, myself included. So this is a great conversation to have. 
Thank you so much. It's absolutely a thrill to talk with you. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes, follow us on SoundCloud, and of course, like, comment, rate, and share. Thanks for listening.